Wow. Thank you, musicians, for that workout. Matthew chapter 16 tonight. And we need Alvin and the Chipmunks for that one. Praise God. It's all right. Amen. Keep you on your toes, huh? Amen. Kind of a sad story, but it's um, a story about Billy Bob Harrell Jr. He's a man, has a wife, Barbara Jean. He's got three kids, um, you know, kind of going through tough times financially and, you know, just uh, making ends meet. He's, he's, he's doing all right. He's making ends meet. It's not everything. Uh, he's, um, but in June of 1997, something happened to this man. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. And 20 months after this event, he took off his shirt, put a shotgun to his chest, and took his own life. And you say, what happened? He won the lottery. I don't know how many times I've read stories like this where people win the lottery. You know how people say, you know, if I just had a million dollars or if I just would win the lottery or the scratch or whatever it is, 20,000, 20, whatever, that would make me happy, that would, that would set things. But you know, I've read so many stories of very few people that win the lottery that ever make it out intact, amen. Usually those ones that do, they, they, they immediately have a strategy, they take care of business at home and they give the rest away. You know, we, we have a deficit this evening. I'm going to preach on that deficit that we have. It's a disorder, actually. We're going to call it HDD tonight. It's, it's actually happiness deficit disorder. We, we don't really have the ability to gauge what will make us happy and what will sustain our happiness. It's very true. And so I want to look at this this evening. HDD. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And from this time, Jesus began to show uh, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside, took Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 
Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Happiness, deficit, disorder. Amen. Because, first of all, I want to look at something that every one of us deal with, and that is um, an incompetence on really what makes us happy. I would call it a happiness incompetence. Because we're sure, we, we're pretty positive what would make us happy. Amen. A lot of people, it could be a lot of different things. You know, if I had this, or if I went there, or if I had this kind of a job, or if I had a, you know, this woman, that man, whatever it might be, there's so many different scenarios that you can throw into this, but everybody has a gauge what's going to make you happy. And because of that, you know, we envision happiness. We have an imagination, so we can create this in our mind. And uh, we can create scenes of contentment and joy and satisfaction right up here in the brain. Amen. We, we know things that we want to avoid, and so we can edit it as we go. Amen. We're avoiding all the bad stuff, all the, the worst scenarios. Amen. But you have to realize that we have a deficit in this area because really what we do is we resist the things that actually will make us happy. You're looking at me like I'm crazy tonight. Jesus ha has affirmed that he is the Christ, amen, the son of the living God. God has given this revelation to Peter. This is powerful, amen. It's what the church is built upon, amen, those that get this revelation. And so, but then he talks about the cross, and Peter, Peter is like, you know, far be it from you, Lord. This is not going to happen. Amen. So here's Peter. Here, here is something. See, here is something that's going to bring great joy to millions. Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead, is going to bring joy to millions. Bring joy to Jesus. Even bring joy to, to Peter himself. And yet Peter resist the very thing that's going to be the, the, uh, the source of his joy, which tonight obviously is our salvation, amen. And so his whole view of what will make him happy was actually opposing his future happiness. Well, science is in. Science says the same thing. We do not know what will make us happy. And they do studies and all kinds of stuff on this stuff, you know what I mean? And they said, you know, if... If somebody said, you know what, what would make me be, be, be real happy is to get promoted. And I said, well, what, how would you rate that? I'd rate it an eight or a nine. But what they find is when it does happen, it only becomes a four or five. <laughs> See, Peter obviously has a picture of future happiness. But it does not involve anything that Jesus is talking about. Amen. You know, you can dread hearing bad news or bad news about your kids sometimes. And yet when you hear it, it's not as bad as we imagine. And, and something's amazing about that is we bounce back. Peter, you know, he saw the cross as the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it was very terrible. Amen. But you know, when it was all said and done, Jesus goes on the cross, dies, raises from the dead. What's he do? He goes fishing. <laughs> 
I mean, it's, it's like, you know, uh, here he is, and he's in this spot, and, and, you know, the worst thing has just happened. This guy goes on and goes off fishing somewhere. See, we're always making decisions all the time based on what we think will make us happy versus what will bring stress. We're looking for things to make us happy, amen. The rich young ruler, he don't want to do what Jesus is asking, amen, because things and what he surrounds his life with, this is what he feels brings his happiness. This is part of his happiness. If I take all of this away, how am I going to find happiness in following you? The Bible says he went away sorrowful. It didn't work out for his happiness. It's like feeding the 5,000, amen. The disciples are going, send them away. Said, you know, hey, we don't want to deal with this whole ordeal. It's stressful. And yet what's happening here is they witness one of the greatest miracles that would blow the human mind. That Jesus takes five fish and two loaves and he feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. You have to realize that this is in all of us. Amen. This happiness and competence is a part of our nature. We will continue to choose against the things of God because we imagine that our happiness is always found in something else. This is almost a proverb. It's, it's, it's insane. You know, the Christian girl with the unsaved, wonderful boyfriend. You know, they know, you know, they're told it's wrong, but obviously they know better. I mean, I see this, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this since my salvation. It's like, are you kidding me? I feel like getting out the crystal ball, you know. I see untold misery in your future. <laughs> you hook up with that guy, he's going to wipe the smile right off your face, my dear. I know you know more than I do. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go be happy. You have happiness deficit disorder. Jesus' words, he says these words in verse 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. In other words, we'll make life-losing decisions based on our view of what will satisfy. See, Peter is just simply guilty of thinking like a human being. That's all he is. He's guilty. He's not mindful of the things of God. He's mindful of the things of men. And so he's thinking in the terms of happiness that are based on this person right here. What I think will bring me happiness. He's rebuking the thing that's actually going to be the foundation of his future happiness to the end of his life. See, it's here where the devil can hijack our lives for his purpose. So I want to consider with you, secondly, the right response. J.R. Martinez, he was a son of a single Salvadorian woman. He was a handsome man. He was a talented man. And he had dreams of going into the NFL. What he did was is he joined the Army. <clears throat> and that way he could give back, I guess, to his country. But at the same time, uh, he could partake of the GI Bill. Go in the Army for two years, get out, do the GI Bill at some college, you know, do his football dream and head for the NFL if that be possible. 
But while he was in Iraq, his Humvee ran over a landmine. And when everybody got out, he was actually trapped in the Humvee. It was burning. And uh, he was horribly burned and disfigured. Later on, he's discharged from the army. He said his life was over. Everything that would brought him happiness was now washed away. It was gone. But as time went on, he started getting involved in people and, and you know, turning his life around. It led to auditions, TV shows. He actually even wrote a book about this. Uh, got a wife and a child, amen. He made this statement. He says, what I dreaded made possible a life I never would have had. What he thought would make him happiness and what he thought would ruin his life and take away all his happiness were actually just the opposite. And not that he would want to do this again, but this, this, this accident turned out to be, if you will, one of the best things that ever happened to him. He says, I have the life I never would have had if it wasn't for the road that I went down. I was going down a different road. You know, in the kingdom of God, we're talking about, obviously, following Jesus. We're not talking about just the busyness of life. You know, you can be very involved in the things of God and be very unhappy, right? I mean, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's not automatic, amen. You're not always just satisfied by doing st stuff, amen. Something can be missing, and it can just simply burn you out as time goes on. Jesus his command is not to think like men. Not to think like men, but to surrender to the will of God. That's what he's telling Peter. You're thinking like a man, and you're not uh, surrendering to the will of God. He calls us to nothing less than to die to our fantasies about what will make us happy or what will make us unhappy, what will give us joy or contentment or satisfaction in life. He says these words in Matthew 16, 24. He said to his disciple, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He's not opposed to happiness. He just simply wants it on his terms. Listen, he knows how he made us. He knows this evening what really will truly satisfy you and I. Listen, when he created man, he created man in his image. And I can tell you, God is a happy God. He's not a sad God, amen. He knows what makes him happy. He's created you and I, and he ultimately knows what will bring joy, contentment, satisfaction, and happiness to our lives. And Jesus knows the same thing. Peter's thinking like a man would obviously think. Like, you're going to the cross? I mean, come on, man, you know. You walk on water, I mean, we can work a deal here or something. I mean, this, we don't have to do this stuff. And Jesus is saying, no, you're, you're, you're missing it. He created us with a desire to be happy. What do you think leads most of us to him? I mean, every day I tried to be happy. You know, I didn't get up every day going, I, mean, I just want to bum myself out today. <laughs> no, I got up every day. What's going to make me happy? 
I mean, I ended up doing the same thing every day to make me happy, but you know, it's like, it was kind of a fake happiness, but it's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to be happy. But you see, in my desire to be happy, that's what led me to Jesus Christ. I want to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that, amen. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me for my sake. He's pointing us to himself. This is God in the flesh who's come to take on the cross, to redeem us, to restore that deformed image of God within us, amen. He's come to restore, enlarge the glory of God in us, amen. Not just rules, but the person of God living in our hearts, amen. This whole glorious identity uh, that is better than anything that we could possibly imagine for ourselves. Follow me for my sake. Look what, look what he said to the Ephesians. I mean, that you read the Ephesians, the first four verses of this church in Ephesus and Revelations, and, he, and they're doing this and they're doing that, and they're just, you know, they're just a, a powerhouse church. And then he says, but I got this one thing. You've lost your first love. And he realizes that, you know, what we are and what makes us joyful is not just being busy little Christians. It's him in us. It's doing the will of God. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He, he frames it in a very good language. Uh, he says, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. See, this happiness that I'm talking about this evening, that God is talking about, it involves the lives of others. Again, science tells us happiness and satisfaction comes in what we do for others. Jesus was doing this for us. He's doing the most unselfish act there ever was. I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for you. He didn't die for himself. He didn't have to. There's no reason why he had to deal with any of that. He did it solely for you and I. Amen. Isaiah 58.10 If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noon day. Principle of life, if we seek happiness, we will not find it. But if we seek to care for others, it will be a byproduct of what we're doing. Chinese proverb. Chinese proverb. Yeah, I spent a week there. I still can't even, I don't even have a clue how to do it, you know. If we want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help someone else. Another guy, he writes the paradox of happiness. Listen to what he says. He says, since well before pants and shirts replace togas, philosophers have been the main source of wisdom about happiness and the good life. 
A central tenet of this ancient wisdom is the paradox of happiness. In essence, the paradox of happiness states that if you strive for happiness by direct means, you end up less happy than if you forgot about happiness and focused on other goals. Ancient wisdom advises us uh, not to pursue happiness directly. Why does striving for happiness tend to result in unhappiness or disappointment? Many people frequently experience happiness, but both philosophers and psychologists know that we are so inept at pursuing it that if we do strive for it, we fail, sometimes catastrophically, and end up far less happy than if we had never tried. There's something about, lastly, or not lastly, but is embracing the life that you have. I think I just told the story, and I don't remember if I told it or not, but, <laughs> but if I say it, you'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, you just said it like yesterday. But me and my wife were driving out in the country. I did say this, okay. And I don't know, I just got this aversion, man, to be out in the country, you know what I'm saying? Away from all the noise, the hustle bustle, human beings. <laughs> we drive by those houses out there, they're on all this property, wraparound porch. You slow down. It's beautiful, painted. You know what I mean? Home, home on the range where the deer and the antelope play. You know, I mean, we're just talking. But you know what? That's not my life. One thing that will help you to find happiness is embracing the life that you have right now. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. It's not a complacent settling. It's real faith to see that this life, with all the things that we think are causing our unhappiness, can be embraced and can be enjoyed. Have fun and talk about God. That's what I'm saying. Let's look lastly at finding the power. Finding a genuine and lasting happiness is something beyond our ability to do and to maintain. See, Jesus promises life. Amen. This is woven into the command. It's woven into the promise for who our text. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, finding his life, this it's the life that is ordained by God. That's the best life, right? This is the only life that will truly will satisfy. This life is the only one that can, it's, it can only be produced supernaturally in us. Joy that we seek, obviously, is the work of the Spirit of God. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Believing joy that grows in us by the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're, we're meant to serve with joy. Hallelujah, amen, joy. It's like for the joy that was set before him, he bought a field because it held that great treasure, that treasure of great price. It was for joy that he sold all that he had for that. That's the salvation I'm talking about. 
See, the joy, the, the happiness is always going to be found in God living in us. Matthew 16, 27 and 28 says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so obviously it's not all right now. Have to look to the future glory. Praise God. But he does give us a glimpse, as verse 28 tells us. I want to close with this dream. It's a pastor's wife actually had this dream. She said, in the dream, I was standing in this white mansion with cathedral ceilings, and at the top was this huge globe, and it was this patchwork of all the dreams I had for myself, like words and pictures and ideas, uh, all uh, kind of a paper mache together. And as I was watching it, it fell to the ground and smashed everywhere, and I began screaming because it felt like everything I ever hoped for was gone. And I was scrambling, trying to put it together, and I was cutting my knees and hands and crying, telling God that he had taken every dream away from me and let everything get broken. And then all of a sudden, I felt this voice inside of me say, would you just look back up? And I looked up, and there was this perfect white globe without a single scratch or patch on it. And God was holding it in his hands, and he told me, you gave me your dreams for the destiny I have for you. You traded them for an even better future. If you will trust me, I have your whole future in my hands and you're going to be fine. Stop trying to scrape together the things you feel like you've lost and just see the incredible future ahead that I have for you. HDD, amen. God knows the things that make for our happiness this evening. And chances are they're probably not the things in the imaginations of our mind. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Peter, you're mindful of the things of men, but not of the things of God. I'm about to do something that's going to make millions of people upon millions very happy throughout the ages until I return. I'm one of them, so are you. Nothing made me happier than giving my life to Jesus Christ. No longer do I go out every day finding happiness, amen. I get up with it. I get up with it. My wife, no, I get up with it. Jesus in my heart. <laughs> and my wife. <laughs> that was a good one, come on, that scored some points. No, Jesus, Jesus, I give up with the happiness in my heart. I don't go out every night looking for it because I learned that as much money as I spent and all that I did, I never quite found it because I had to do it again and again. It never filled the void. See, God knows how we're made, and he knows what makes for our happiness, amen. And it's probably not what, makes for you, what you think it is, amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads this evening. Praise God.